This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Yesterday was the first of what's probably going to be a few days of an appeal process. Um, there's They're reduced sentence appeals. They're not actually appealing the uh, conviction themselves. That that has come and gone. But Dellen Millard and Mark Smitch, two notorious murderers, convicted murderers in Canada, are appealing to get sentences reduced for these multiple murder convictions. They'd like to get 50 years off one sentence, 25 years off another. Millard's been convicted of killing three people, including his father, which was ruled a suicide at first. Um, he's gotten 75 years. 25 years is the max you can get for um, for a, a murder in Canada. But what happened last spring, like spring of 22, I'll get to in a sec, it's changed the whole landscape of parole hearings and appeals. And I'll explain why that is uh, in a minute or two as well. So, look, it's terrible that these families, uh, Linda Babcock, uh, her daughter Laura, was murdered by, um, at minimum, Dellen Millard, maybe both Millard and Smitch. And she has to get up, um, refocus on the worst moments, the worst realizations, the worst memories of her life, adult or otherwise, and has to go to court and give um, and, and and basically wait this out. And she knows what the eventual outcome is going to be. So these Ontario Appeal Court justices are going to likely hear the appeals of Millard and Smitch of their convictions for murdering Laura Babcock and Tim Bosma. And here's what will happen. They will be handed more concurrent 25 year periods of parole uh, eligibility. So instead of Millard, 75 years, you're not going to be parole eligible until then. And by the way, also, let's do the math. You'll be dead by then, so none of us have to worry about this. And Smith will get 50 years. But last year in April, the Supreme Court of Canada decided, and this case was brought by the Quebec City mosque murderer, Alexandra Bissonnette, that stacked terms are cruel and unusual punishment. Look, they sometimes it's sometimes said how you judge the society is how you treat its prisoners, how you treat people that are incarcerated in in Canada's case. How do we treat victims of the people that are going to prison for the victimization? That's how I'm judging Canada sometimes. And that's what I find to be cruel and unusual. I've never understood it. I never will. And I want to believe that it will change. I want to believe at some point in time it's on the ballot. It's an election issue. It's bipartisan. And people say, look, there's obviously crimes where we're incarcerating people too often. Obviously, there's crimes that we think we can uh, teach you to be better and rehabilitate you for. And then there's Millard and Smitch. And then there's the Bernardos. And then there's the Manassians. And then there's the Bissonnettes. A lot of notorious names from recent past. Um, but I, I absolutely, absolutely can't get behind this. And you just, you drag people out who absolutely want to have been, it's been so difficult for them to recover. It's been so difficult for them to get better. Here's audio from Tim Bosma's wife from, uh, the trial where, uh, Millard and Smith were convicted of killing Tim Bosma. Remember this was about a, a, a car purchase on, I think it was Craigslist at the time. I don't think it was Kijiji. I think it was Craigslist. And Tim Bosma went out for a ride and never came back. For three years, we have been in and out of this courthouse, forced to look at and breathe the same in the same space with the utter depths 
of depravity in our society. That's from uh, the Fifth Estate Report. Bob McCown put that together uh, a couple years ago. The quote from Dostoevsky is, the degree of civilization in a society can be judged by entering its prisons. Okay, give you that. I think there's a degree of a degree in which you can measure that. But I want to measure the society by how you judge people who are victimized by those going into prison in the long term. And we have to change that. We have to change that. You might say, come on, this will never happen. This can't transpire. There's no way they would ever get parole. Paul Bernardo wouldn't get parole. I got you. So why go through the exercise? The point isn't whether they'll be granted parole. It shouldn't get to the point where a hearing creates such stress. Almost every other Western democracy has figured out some crimes are worthy of a life sentence. No parole. Just that simple. No parole. You're, you're, what you've done is worthy of a life sentence. And again, I don't know how this ever transpires into a right-left issue. There are issues of crime and punishment and sentencing and incarceration that I understand end up getting divided politically. You might say, well, if you do this, you should never see the light of day again. And someone else might say, I disagree. I think we can teach you to be better. Is I, I do think you can teach people to not assault people. I do think you can teach people not to hit people. I'm a believer, and some people, it rankles some people to say, you can teach a man not to hit a woman, not to hit a child. And that does not mean, and a woman hit a man, that does not mean there shouldn't be a sentence for a crime. That doesn't mean that. But there is that element of rehabilitation in the process of that sentencing. These guys, no such luck. Don't care. Throw away the key. That's that. Don't treat them cruelly or unusually in prison itself, but make sure they don't walk the streets. It's that simple. Anne Brocklehurst wrote a, uh, a book called Dark Ambition. She wrote it about um, Millard and Bosma. She notes when, Bo- when uh, Millard was defending himself in court, it was quite obvious this was a person beyond saving. Well, his first cross-examination, which was of Laura's father, Clayton Babcock, was was just shocking. Um, there were times he was asking questions, so per- asking the father questions so personal about Laura's uh, mental health and what kind of father he was that you know people in the courtroom gasped or were just generally appalled, and you thought. This man, Dellen Millard, doesn't realize how off these questions are. It's like he's a psychopath, so he doesn't understand that a normal person wouldn't do this. And that's a theory, but it's possible he does understand, and that's even more frightening. Look, the concept is about justice. Give them a chance to apply for release. But if it's just such a non sequitur, why are we bothering? And aren't there crimes that you shouldn't get that opportunity for? And I'd argue mass murder is one of them. This isn't one killing. And one killing, I still am not sure that you'd end up uh, doing that. So who's the life sentence for? Feels like it's for the families of the dead, knowing they've got to go to parole hearings on a, re- on a semi-regular basis. I think Paul Bernardo's had four parole hearings. If not, he's had three it just in the last several years. Why? What are we doing? Why are we making those people get up, put a suit on, go to a parole hearing? Fingers crossed, almost certainly there won't be a result that's in favor of a Bernardo type. But look, legal systems have to be civilized. Check. Got it. Merciful and dignified. But who's the dignity for? The victim or the victimizer? Where's the mercy? Is it for the victim or the victimizer? 
I think we've got to stop ignoring the victims and their grieving relatives and stop playing things into the balance of the perpetrator of the crimes. They've been convicted of the crimes. Now it's time to do the sentence. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. It's massive news uh, for the town of St. Thomas, just outside of London, Ontario. I think it's huge news for all of Ontario. And we know we've had sort of stop, start, stop, start with regard to electric vehicles. We're not buying them in Ontario in the same percentage that they are in Quebec. Not buying them in the same percentage as British Columbia. Some of that is a lack of provincial incentives. No doubt an announcement like yesterday that Volkswagen's going to uh, put a, uh, a battery uh, factory, a battery plant in St. Thomas is uh, great news and is going to push us in that direction. We're pleased to welcome on the mayor of St. Thomas, and he's uh, also a former uh, member of parliament in Ottawa, Joe Preston. Joe, it's great to have you on Toronto today. Thanks very much for making the time. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Uh, this has to be a great feeling. We, um, yesterday is the announcement, but uh, as you know, and you know politics well, you probably were getting wind of this, uh, hearing about it, hoping this would come to fruition. When did this first sort of come across your radar or land on your desk? Uh, at least a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, St. Thomas started accumulating the land and uh, looking for a partner Um Certainly, the provincial government has been over the top helpful in, in, in helping this to happen. But look, this isn't just great for St. Thomas. It's for all of Ontario. The, uh, certainly, the region in southern Ontario where the plant will be located is uh, going to benefit um, hugely. But with uh, the ingredients for battery factories being available in, in, in all of Ontario, including northern Ontario, we are especially happy for the whole province. And I know, look, you know how um, I I would argue we have sometimes we think, well, politics, it's all partisan and everybody fights all the time and everybody disagrees. I think this also shows your municipal government. um, I'm sure London's in the mix, but also Ontario's premier and Canada's prime minister are working very much in tandem and hand in hand on on these kind of big time infrastructure announcements. Well, and, and, and I agree. I think politics is better done as friendship rather than partisanship. Um, and my, my time in Ottawa and as the mayor of St. Thomas um, certainly is, is showing proof of that, that if you can um, make more friends, you get more done. How many jobs um, do you think we can create from uh, a plant like this? Well, you know, it, st- it starts off with just this, th- this plant being the largest automotive investment in Canadian history. That, that in itself is, is huge. But as you know, each of these large um, industrial facilities create so many other spin-off jobs too. We're not even, you know, we're going to let Volkswagen um, uh, share with us what they think the job count will be in that facility alone. But we, we know that in the area now, this will mean thousands, if thousands more. So some of this, Joe, is is building the plant. When would shovels go in the ground for the plant? When do you think the plant would be operational in a best case scenario? Twenty twenty seven is the is the uh, date that uh, Volkswagen wants this up and operating. And I'll tell you, we're clearing land um, already. So we we were preparing a site for whoever was able uh, to come here and and uh, purchase and Mm. Volkswagen has now said yes and we've already uh, started making it work. 
I also think these aren't just any jobs. You know, you see it and, and we get jobs reports and, and the concept is, well, the workers got a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of leverage and, and incentive right now. But a lot of these jobs are aren't full time. They're not salaried. They're that you don't have a great benefit package. You can't retire off those jobs. Jobs like the ones Volkswagen's going to create. I think you can. We're, we're getting back to I, I know Southern. I, I was a London kid, so I know there was a big plant in Ingersoll, big plant in Tilson. And we were building cars in those areas there as well. Those are careers almost as opposed to jobs. That's the hope here with this plan. Yeah, the announcement yesterday um, solidified St. Thomas and the region's future for decades to come. These are that kind of jobs. And so we were, you know, it's been a lot of work to get to the point we're at. It's uh, three or four more years of of heavy uh, lifting to get the plant up and running. But these are the uh, projects you work hard to do. Mm. Tell me a little bit about the the land and and where the plant's going to go. I I don't know how many listeners will have a great knowledge of St. Thomas's geography, but do do you have to, is any of this farmland? Is any of this just vacant land? Where would the plant go and and what kind of of signatures do you need to sign off on to make sure you've got all the space you need? Well, we we have accumulated 1,500 acres. It's an extremely mm-hmm. large site because this is an extremely large endeavor. Um, in the northeast portion of St. Thomas, where our industrial park was, where we already have servicing for a factory of this size, um, we've added the land to that square and are uh, already accumulated, ready to go. It is great to have you on because you have this lens and, and you, you know, you've been in politics so long. I'm sure you hear from constituents in St. Thomas and I'm sure your local MPP and MP will as well. And they'll say, I'm not sure about electric cars or the conversations you just have going going for breakfast or for lunch. I like my pickup truck. I like putting gas in the truck. Um, I, I think there may always be a place to some extent, to a slight extent, for fossil fuels. But how do we get most of us? I don't own an electric car yet. How do we get most of us to make this conversion and decide that this is the way we need to go? Well, I mean, I think we're well on the road there. Volkswagen um, just made an, an announcement yesterday that is bigger than has ever been made. I think we have to create the demand or create the usage of electric vehicles by having great companies like Volkswagen building them and building them locally, and we'll see um, people flock to them. I think that's the idea. If you if the old build it and they will come uh, scenario, I think most people agree uh, it's a great way to go. Now, where can I get it? How can I mm-hmm. get it? How how much different would it be than than my old vehicle? Uh, these are all great questions, and we just solved a lot of them yesterday. How important is it for the province to um, to give more of a just that financial nudge? BC, Quebec, many other provinces are still giving these incentives for buying new electric vehicles, and, and as you know, Ontario dropped theirs after 2018. How important is it to just give people that extra push? Well, I think the, the province of Ontario and its and its role in this shows us that perhaps the right thing is to is to get the jobs to go with. Uh, automobiles and push that as much as it is uh, anything else to get people into electric cars. Mm. By the way, massive St. Thomas fan. Um, I, we, my kids were Thomas, the tank engine obsessed kids. So when I think about yeah. St. Thomas, I think of three straight summers 
where we came to see uh, Thomas and uh, and the big festival. Like honestly, one of the great parenting moments of my existence was coming and and bringing my kids to that. Seriously. Well, thank you for, for thank you for saying <laughs> so. We have we have a lot to offer here, and it's a great area of the country. Um, and now. It's got its future secured for it. Yeah. And you, you just in the summer, as you know, you might just see Joe Thorne wandering by or, or in the foursome ahead of you at the golf course. You just never know. The oh, beard, no. the, the beard and, is and easy to recognize. Yeah. It's, it's look, we're <laughs> we're pretty proud of our community. We have a hashtag St. Thomas Proud is one of our mm. symbols. We really, truly are. But I'll tell you, we're walking around with great big smiles on our faces and quite proud today. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a wonderful thing. And we wanted to have you on to be able to share it. And I can hear it in your voice. Let's stay in touch on the project, uh, Joe. Really appreciate you coming on here in Toronto. Sure. Anytime. Okay. Joe Preston is the mayor of St. Thomas. That's big, big news for that community and Ontario wide as well. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. So we've got a by-election in our province on Thursday, and this is in Hamilton Centre. Andrea Horvath uh, riding. Now, the NDP uh, went to power in 1990. David Christofferson won two straight elections. He even won when Mike Harris uh, swept to power in 1995. And then Andrea Horvath won five straight elections. Bottom line, this has been an NDP stronghold. Seven straight elections. 33 years. Our next guest is hoping to change that. She is uh, running for the Ontario Liberal Party, hoping to become the ninth uh, MPP for the Liberals. She is Deirdre Pike. Deirdre, it's great to have you on. Thanks very much for making the time. Oh, good morning. Thanks very much for having me. Of course. You're two days away. How are you feeling about your campaign? How are you feeling about your chances? Terrific, really. You know, the uh, yeah, I'm just having a great time at the doors. I'm uh, really feeling the energy and the momentum from people who uh, really envision a change for this riding. Yeah, uh, looking for a, a voice that uh, can bring their concerns forward um, and uh, who has uh, decades of experience working on the issues that matter. What are some of the biggest issues when you come to, uh, I guess I'd call them kitchen table issues? Maybe there are issues even the media doesn't talk about enough. What do you hear from voters that say, this is what I need changed um, that makes a difference for me, my family, my partner? What do you hear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what's interesting is that people here at the doors, you know, which is basically their kitchen table when I show <laughs> up, and sometimes they invite me in, actually, but uh, the conversations are about uh, the needs of their neighbors. And that is what really energizes me because my work in Hamilton has largely been about that for 30 years. I've worked at community-based agencies to um, highlight uh, issues of concern. Um, And uh, so the main one I'd say here has been about, uh, you know, having to face the reality that so many of our neighbors have no roofs over their heads. We have so many Mm -hmm. unhoused people in this community. And what I hear at the door is, this is not acceptable. I want to see something change here. What can, you know, what can you do? So, uh, you know, the fact is compassionate hearts are what really compel people in this riding. And, uh, you know, I'm able to um, take those, uh, not just those hearts, but the the head as well, because of my uh, experience here. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about. 
the lives of our neighbors. Deirdre Pike is kind of to join us, liberal candidate for Hamilton Center. That by-election is on Thursday. I'm so glad you, you bring that lens to it because I'm sure some people outside of Toronto would say, well, Toronto talks a lot about these issues and um, the homeless problem in, in Toronto and people experiencing homelessness. But you see it there. Uh, my hometown's in London. I see it there. When I take my kid on a soccer trip, we went to Sudbury, huge homeless encampment in the park. I, I don't ever think I've seen anything quite like this. And we've got to we've got to turn it in a different direction here. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, London is my home uh, oh. as well. Uh, Strathroy, really. But, uh, you know, in in London, they've had some uh, really great conversations cross uh, party, cross uh, sector, uh, just recently around um, housing and homelessness. We need uh, those conversations here. We've had them. I've uh, convened uh, many of them. But uh, we need to be a little bit more um, intentional about working, uh, you know, across party, across. Uh, in Hamilton, we have a group that works across, um, you know, really their funding uh, divides, I'd say. I mean, these mm-hmm. are uh, social housing service providers. They uh, have a thing called Hamilton is Home. They get together and say, what is best for this city? And I envision those same kinds of conversations, you know, with my counterpart, uh, the NDP MPP and the the neighboring riding and so on, um, PC on the mountain, you know, whoever uh, we are, we have to bring the question forward, what is best for the people in Hamilton? And that's what uh, I intend to start every conversation with. What can we do for the people in Hamilton Center? It's been documented you were um, an NDP supporter, and uh, as as things change and evolve and, and ebb and flow, you, you cross to the Liberals, and you're very inspired by former Premier Kathleen Wynne. G- give us a sense as to why that was and, and why you thought that's more who I am at my roots um, politically than, than where I was previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was in London, the, the first person that ever came to my door was an NDP candidate. And at the time, you know, um, like I've heard many people in Hamilton say, it just became sort of a de facto reflex. Mm-hmm. That's where I go without necessarily diving into, um, you know, to think about these issues a little more deeply. And I showed up at uh, Premier Kathleen Wynne's office in 2017 with a report on rural poverty, actually with it co-authored by a um, professor at King's College in London. And, um, you know, in that conversation, I started by telling the Premier that I was a, um, it was NDP, but uh, I was really seeing um, great progress in in the policies coming forward, particularly basic income. And although I've been described as a reluctant convert to that, in the conversation with Kathleen, it became clear that uh, when you address these issues pragmatically, when you are open to hearing people that from the outset seem to maybe disagree with you or seem to be pushing you further, it's okay to engage in those conversations in a way that changes the the direction and and that's what i saw our 20 minute meeting went to an hour and 20 minutes and my report got better because of the recommendations uh you know some of the the recommendations that came from that uh, the premier's table that's so i left that meeting just a changed person thinking about how uh how different lives could be mm-hmm. in hamilton in ontario with uh that basic income with a government that's compassionate and caring and mm-hmm. I knew uh, my direction was to be part of that. 
That's so interesting. And, yeah, yeah. That's uh, to have that meeting and and have it uh, have it change you. Now you're well aware um, your rival in the race, NDP candidate Sarah Jama. There's been accusations of anti-Semitism. Those are hard things to to fight or talk away from, but those also don't stem out of nowhere. Where does it stand for you right now? You've sort of seen the file. You've probably seen some of the videos. Is, is this a person that's qualified to go to Queens Park or, or do they have hateful views um, towards Jewish people? I think that, uh, you know, it's up to the voters, of course, to decide if that's the uh, uh, an appropriate voice for Queens Park for them. And I have simply, um, you know, at the it's been raised by community members, but now also, of course, been a and um, other uh, voices. And it's not to be ignored, that's for sure. And mm-hmm. to be a member of uh, Parliament means having difficult conversations at times when you least expect it. And I thought we'd be, be debating, you know, current provincial policies like I've just spoken about. Uh, but the reality is um, these uh, these are very grave concerns that people have brought forward. And, uh, you know, I offered an opportunity at our mm-hmm. local debate uh, for uh, the NDP candidate to address them and offer, um, you know, words of of apology or um, you know, clear the air uh, for um, our the constituents in Hamilton that um, you know we need to be capable of representing everyone and uh, and I certainly am and uh, so this is the time for Hamiltonians and Hamilton Centre mm-hmm. residents to to recognize which voice is most uh, appropriate in terms of being able to represent all people. And um, and yeah. I think that uh, they'll yeah. they'll be able to see that clearly when they they hear me and and see what I stand for. Deirdre, I wish you luck on Thursday. It's nice to make your acquaintance, and I and I hope uh, win or lose, I wish you the best. But I hope we get to chat again. I, I think you've got an important voice, and I'd love to talk to you more. Thanks so much for this, and good luck on Thursday. Thank you so much for making time. It's been a pleasure. You bet. Deirdre Pike uh, is running for the Ontario Liberal Party uh, in Hamilton Centre again. The NDP's won seven straight elections there. This could easily change on Thursday night. There's a lot of smoke around the NDP candidate here based on uh, places she's been, things she's said, and uh, it's picked up. It hasn't uh, dropped off. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Are you in or out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So are we in or out? You're out. You are over and out. No, 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 no. Insulted him a little bit. I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, our in or out. Yesterday, we talked about our daylight savings time. We all ended up on the same side of things, um, it, given we wanted um, earlier sunrises. So we, we like, actually, the change. We've all gotten pretty used to it now. Vince Tedesco's in for Shiba Siddiqui this week. You're not having trouble waking up. Trouble waking up? No. Trouble going to sleep? Sometimes. You do? At yeah, night? Every once in a while. What time would you have fallen asleep last night? What does uh, the data tell us? Depressing leaf game probably killed it by about 10, 10 p.m. Oh, how depressing could it be? They're gonna The, the depressing oh, leaf game is coming mid-April, Vince. <laughs> Don't you know that? Gord knows this. Oh, yeah. yeah. I put my flag up, and two weeks later, down it comes. You're going to try and beat uh, Vasilevsky in four games with Matt Murray at the other end? Best no, of luck to you. No. That's depressing. I'm already practicing. Uh, well, there's always next year. <laughs> You've been doing it for quite some time. Uh, but our our um, our debate today comes from viral video of two guys. We had a long debate about this in the household last night. And they free a trapped wolf from a fence. Now, the video, it's tough to describe, Vince, but the wolf is, in essence, upside down, stuck on the fence, either in some wire 
and it looks like a guy goes and gets some clippers to free the wolf and let him free. Like the wolf stuck on the fences. How else would you describe it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the wolf, that's the first thing that happened. That like the thought that came through my mind is, was he trying to jump over the fence right. and got his back leg stuck on it? Because he's clearly on one side, but yeah. I don't know how he did it. Exactly. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know how his paw. It's hoof, a conundrum. It's paw, yeah. Hoof. Uh, got stuck on like the top rung of what looks like sort of a wire, um, like a chicken wire, barbed weather, uh, barbed wire um, fence. Here's some audio. I don't, and I don't think these guys were hunters. I think they were just driving by on the road. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah. Um, so here's some some odd. Basically, the in or out is: Would you free a trapped wolf? And I think it's a, I think it's the most important question of a slow news warning. Okay. <laughs> here's the audio of it. I don't think so either. He's begging for release right now. Is that wire right into his foot, right? Yeah. Is We're trying to help, bud. Right We're trying to help. Foot? Yeah. I try and pull it out. Yeah. He's not hell he's not bothering you, Rick. There you go. Okay. So <laughs> what we would debate is they got the wolf free and the yes. wolf ran across the road because it would have had to then jump over the fence to get after them. Yeah. So our in or out is are you in on freeing the wolf? Or would you think, I'm going to free this guy. He's 145 pounds of, of lean, mean fighting machine. And he's going to thank me by leaping at my esophagus and murdering me. That's That would be my biggest fear. Vince, are you in or out? Would you save the wolf? Uh, being that there's a fence dividing us, I probably would. That's my... <laughs> now, if you, if you ever see the video, the fence is not the most sturdy of It's not the sturdiest. <laughs> no. Gord, would you save the wolf? Yes. I wouldn't even really. Think about it. I'd be more like the guy in the video that that does it. He has his right foot pointing away, but he's leaning in to help the the wolf. So he's he's kind of hedging his bets. He's on the fence, <laughs> saving the, the wolf. He's, 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 he's figuratively, but right. He's I figuratively at, on the at, fence. Yeah, he, I think the wolf knows instinctively that if you would have killed him to eat him, you would have done it already. Because he was in such a vulnerable position. So yeah, but how often? Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Would you save a wolf that had its paw stuck in a fence? Um, I I would, but I think Vince's point is made. The caveat and the asterisk <laughs> for me is is that the wolf is on the other side of the fence. But he can get over that fence. I think that thing can leap oh, six feet wow. in the air. Clearly. and again, leap right at your. Did you guys ever see Teen Wolf? Like Michael yeah. J. Fox turns yes. into a from a bad basketball player, and all of a sudden he turns into like like uh, Dominique Wilkins. I don't know why it's, you're worried about him leaping over the fence. He couldn't do it the first time. Yeah, but stuck. that just might have been. He might have been distracted, thinking about something else. He's got other yeah. stuff to do. But that's the other thing, Gord Vince. Here's where I'm skeptical about Gord's perspective: is he's giving the wolf human. Um, mental characteristics like you know what those guys did a really nice thing for me <laughs> like they don't rub their chin and go you know what I'm gonna spare you this time or I don't know if they do that they're just there's my meal they get it's scared. right there they get what scared. a sucker he freed me it's not I'm not putting a suit and tie on the wolf I'm just giving that would him be interesting. instincts he's scared and he just wants to get out of there that Listen, makes the story wolves, better. If wolves a, can smell fear, and they yeah, can certainly outrun you. that's it also. You. Thank you. They can smell fear. They they know they're on the other side of the fence. Uh, and this was not a... By the way, this was not a baby wolf. This was not... I'll give you an example. We saw two coyotes. There's coyotes everywhere, right? Yes. Right now. And we saw two right on our fence line. We don't have a dog, but sometimes we let our cat out, sit out in the backyard with us in the spring or summer. Not now. 
But I'm telling you, like, if he was out even for five minutes on his own, I think those coyotes come under the fence. There's a little hole. They would burst right through. And um, that cat is like a bite-sized brownie. Even though he's 19 pounds, that is like chop, chop. Yep. That's it. Yeah. So why would a wolf be any different when it comes to, I don't think wolves are going to be thankful no. Or grateful that you that these dudes <laughs> saved them. No, but he's not on. He's not like Duran Duran says. He's not on the hunt. He's not after you. You don't know that. You don't yeah. know the last yeah. time he ate. He, he wants been... to get away. Mm, that I'm could not be why sure. he was caught in the first place. He was on the hunt so, and he got trapped in the fence. So you're gonna leave it there to down. die. You're just gonna leave it there to die or some something else to eat it. I'll give you another movie. Jack Nicholson in the movie Wolf <laughs> hits a wolf in his car. He's kind of a meek, meager guy at the office. I know it's Jack Nicholson. That's weird. He's, I think he's working for James Spader. I saw this movie in the theater with Michelle Pfeiffer. And he, um, and he hits a wolf and tries to get the wolf off the road. But then the wolf bites him. But then he all of a sudden gets like wolf powers. It's amazing. This, this wasn't nominated for nine Academy Awards. So you're- This is better than One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, The Departed, <laughs> any of Nicholson's best work. Terms of endearment, this is amazing. And then so, suddenly he can leap in the air. Um, he, gets, he gets a promotion at work because he's a little more aggressive. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, but he ends up with a lot of extra hair in places where he doesn't That's want right. it. So there's, you need some kind of... Does he ever get caught in a fence? No. <laughs> No, but you're accusing me of and giving. He's great, and, and I'm going to say this: he's great in bed with Michelle Pfeiffer, wow. post Wolf, yeah, uh, transformation. <laughs> yeah. So they all of a sudden they start dating. She's like the daughter of the guy that owns the 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 giant company or whatever. But I'm saying that if you got bit by a wolf, that could potentially like that's so maybe it's that not always that's negative. A pro. Yeah, but you're close to your cons. You're I'm cute. just. Don't you think you'd feel differently <laughs> freeing a wolf or on the side of the if if you hit a wolf in your car. 90% of people listening, no one wants to admit it to us, but you would just keep driving. You really wouldn't come back and check on the wolf's vital signs because that thing's going to wake up and go, you you fast-driving maniac, and it's going to it's gonna attack you. You think it's going to attack yes! you, even though it's in serious pain? Did you just not hear the Jack Nicholson story? He yeah, that's you're a good accusing point, me of, of putting it's not a documentary, though, Vince. <laughs> okay, well. onto a wolf, but yet you're citing movies as your your. I have done that your twice. Evidence. Detailed. <laughs> Somewhat based on reality. The Wikipedia page for Wolf uh, describes it as a romantic horror film. Will Randall is bitten by a black wolf. He accidentally struck while driving home in Vermont. Um, but then, yeah, uh, he then he starts biting. He bites his boss, Stuart, played by James Spader, a little bit oh, later on. Once I that starts to happening, I'd bite him too. Yeah, I but then he, but then HR is involved. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of issues if you're biting colleagues. That's right. I think at the office, but then he gets a he gets a promotion out of this. The yeah. workplace was just different in the 1990s. All right, we got a few texts in already. Would you would you free a wolf? I can't promise as as intriguing a question tomorrow on on uh, in or out <laughs> on Toronto today. Would you free a wolf that was stuck in a fence? Now you know whose answer we need. Not that we need a tie to be broken here. Is that of Dave Bradley's wolf's hanging upside down? Wolf's you got two guys with you. You pull off the side of the road. You're like, what is that? And it's a wolf basically stuck with its paw in a in a chain in a, in a in like a chicken wire fence. Would you free that wolf? Oh, absolutely. You would. Yeah. Don't you remember the the fable where the mouse pulls the thorn from the paw of the lion? Right. I mean, if you show it kindness, it's going to be your friend, right? Yeah. 
But was See? that t- lion talking? Because lions don't <laughs> yeah, talk. Was this like it um, may have been talking, and it, it it you know it may have been a cartoon children's book. But uh, is this like Madagascar? <laughs> <laughs> did, the, did the lion sound like James Earl Jones? <laughs> or Jack does, Nicholson? Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Why didn't this guy just hold up the go to walk to the top of the hill and hold the wolf up in the air like Simba? Like uh, why didn't that happen? <laughs> I, I think the wolf is going to be petrified of you once you do I don't free know. it. It'll Thanks. run away. See? I don't See? know. Why yeah. are we closing recesses for coyotes and every, everything? Like if the coyotes are afraid of people, yeah, well, well, they, they just bite you. <laughs> that's <laughs> not what you. That's not a good recess to get bitten by a coyote. To get you don't want to get if you're a guy you don't want to get de pants during recess and you don't want to get yeah, bitten by true. a coyote. Yeah, They're two, both two in the top ten. Two things you want to try to avoid today. Avoid them both. Yeah.